0: Temp check. How are you going
1: to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today.
0: Hey, everybody. How are you doing? This is Helena from Spider Rocket. You are listening to Talking
1: Metal. Hello everyone, this is Billy Sheen, your faithful bass player. You're listening to me right here on Talking Metal.
2: New York City, Saturday night, Talking Metal, episode 261, A Talking Metal Toast. How are you, John?
3: I'm doing pretty good, man. This is the first night I have woken up after a full night's sleep. I have actually not slept, and I am not kidding. With the exception of a two to three hour nap each day at random times during the day,
2: I have been up for about... Five or six days straight. John is working hard doing a gig, a freelance gig, right at USA Networks. Sister station to the sci-fi channel where I work. How's that going, John? The gig is going great, and
3: uh, let me tell you guys, excluding Talking Metal, I am doing three official jobs. I am working for MTV Networks. Hey, what's going on, man? Hey, we have a Talking Metal person Last uh,
4: time I saw you, I saw that episode last time, and there was a
3: guy, I think he was 2-ball over 119, but...
4: It's great? Oh, yeah. What's that? Listen to the podcast yeah, or the TV yeah, yeah. show? No, it was
2: a podcast Oh, I was cool. at, yeah. yeah, it's
4: great, man. Yeah, that was a great idea. Xavier. Cool. Xavier. Yeah Xavier. Right. yeah, Xavier. Yeah,
3: yeah.
2: <laughs> Bobby. Hey, Bobby? Yeah, nice to meet
4: you. Hey, Bobby. Working a okay. nice amount
1: of Oh, Okay, cool. Excellent.
2: Cool. Just a uh, random talking metal uh, fan, I guess, uh, approaching us here at the bar. Guys, by the way, we are right next to Irving Plaza, I guess now called the Fillmore, awaiting Mastodon, who's taking the stage in exactly an hour, less than an hour.
3: We are so psyched to see Mastodon. Everybody who works with Mastodon, from management to label, all the guys are great. Nick, Tom, everybody. Very, very cool people. And uh, they have hooked us up to check out this concert. And uh, we are just so excited to see Mastodon. So anyway, let me tell you. Before we get into the podcast, I just want to explain what's going on. I'm working in the day for MTV Networks. Then I am going over to 30 Rock, you know, where the TV show is about, where Mark works, working on a major presentation for the USA Network. Then I go home and do Gibson stuff. So. It's been really, really cool, and uh, the biggest coincidence that has totally happened is that because I'm new over there, they didn't really have a, a seat for me, and I'm kind of sitting in some random places, and out of the entire 30 Rockefeller Plaza, you know, it's 60-some story building where they do the news and NBC Nightly News and Saturday Night Live and all that kind of stuff, they
2: put me in an office for one day with Mark. Is that not crazy? Yeah, that is crazy, although... I actually know the the people you're working with, and uh, you know uh, we do sci-fi does share a floor with USA Networks, so I share an office with somebody, and she was in a in an edit that day, editing some uh, stuff for Eureka. So uh, yeah, it it is pretty crazy, but in a, in our small world, it kind of makes sense. And I want to
3: thank you, Mark, for being responsible for hooking me up with this amazing gig, man. I'm, guys, guess what? I'm doing graphic design.
2: Very, very cool. Yeah, well, you're the man. They were looking for somebody who knew that shit, and I uh, immediately threw your name out. And uh, they hired you on for the gig. So welcome to the crazy NBC world of 30 Rockefeller Plaza. Crazy place.
3: Guys, if you ever come to New York, it's a great place to see. To me, it's one of the the coolest landmarks of New York. Plus, there's just a bunch of great restaurants in the kind of lower level. And uh, we've uh, you know hung out there a lot. It was actually probably the first building, first place I went when I came to New York with my parents when I was like maybe 15 years old or something like
2: that. Well, I've had various jobs there through the years and seen a lot of great music on, on Saturday Night Live, actually. I, one of my favorite moments was when, uh, about, oh, probably about 10 years ago at this point, ACDC was the musical guest on uh, SNL, and I went down and hung out with them as they were rehearsing. It was about me and like 10 other people watching them. Uh, uh, a great building to work on as is fifteen fifteen where I've done a lot of work with with vh one and stuff too.
3: By the way, I've been uh, doing some guitar stuff with a couple of the people that work for saturday night Live and and as a uh, you know thank you, uh, they've invited me to uh, come and check something out over there. But I, I think the show is maybe out, done for the season, or do they have a couple more, or what's going on with the show?
2: There's one happening tonight. I know that. I, I don't know how many more, though. Uh, I'm not sure. not sure. Speaking of TV, YouTube.com slash Talking Metal is alive. YouTube.com slash Talking Metal. A great interview with Exodus that John conducted, which we do not see John's face at all. The camera is positioned where you just kind of get a little profile. John is laughing. Guys, if you didn't know this, uh, I am now uh, telling you, John was in a skateboarding accident. Not only is he working nine jobs at once, he is skateboarding around Manhattan, and it and, uh, sounds like he's not skateboarding very well. No,
3: despite the fact that I, I have to cancel my skate park appointment for tomorrow and postpone it to next week due to the USA gig, which I love, by the way. Anyway, guys, I smashed my face open so badly that uh, I may have permanent scars. I fell down trying to do this jump off of... It was like maybe three or four steps, but it was on concrete. And you maybe, you know, shouldn't do them with, like, my blue glasses because guess what happened? The blue glasses broke and the glass was all on my face. And and uh, during the Exodus interview, I had, like, Band-Aids on my face. And it was like a scandal, man. It was crazy, which reminds me. Of the, the old pictures around the Hodder and Hell recording session when Ace had a bunch of cuts on his face and they had to photograph him from the side and he only had makeup on half his face.
2: Or the uh, scenes in Empire Strikes Back with Mark Hamill who was in the car accident and they uh, they wrote it into the script. We should have done that with your interview with Exodus. That Exodus thing was cool,
3: man. We, in the video came out great thanks to Jay Bones, the... Video dude for Talking Metal. He is amazing. And uh, you know what I was thinking, Mark? We we have, like, all these new segments that he did. We ought to kind of compile them. into. I mean, they're up on YouTube, but maybe we should make a DVD or something like that. We could. That's a good idea. I'm sorry. We we are just free form today. Speaking of skateboarding, you know what I thought? We should make Talking Metal skateboard decks, like a deck with the Talking Metal logo on the bottom.
2: That's good, man. Yeah, we got to do T-shirts and sweatshirts. We're talking about all this stuff. Hopefully, one day, it'll all come Come to be. There has been a lack of talking metal content out there on iTunes and on talkingmetal.com. We apologize for that. If you're looking for more of Mark and John, please subscribe to the Talking Rock podcast. You can do that through iTunes, uh, formerly known as Alien Rock, is now Talking Rock. And we have been putting up some new episodes of that. Uh, there is one brand new one up, so check that out, and there'll be another one up real soon. Talking Rock, where we still talk about a lot of hard rock, but also talk about alternative, punk, you know, all all forms of music on Talking Rock.
3: Yeah, absolutely, and it's really cool, guys, because, I mean, we want to keep talking metal truly about metal, but we also like other bands and other styles of music, everything from punk to alternative to just some plain old rock and roll, and that's what you're going to hear on Talking Rock, and uh, Mark, thanks for putting those episodes together and I just put one up online today. Cool. Let's check out an interview we conducted with
2: the great Billy Sheehan.
3: Yeah, man, this was one of my favorite interviews that we've done, man. Billy is such a historical figure to me in in metal. I remember him from the Talis days to when he joined David Lee Roth's band, and of course his solo material has always been the kind of music that features some of the most proficient musicianship that you'll hear not only in metal, but in basically all styles of music. And I really found out some really cool stuff. Despite the fact that he's considered and is one of the all-time greatest bass players, he's not like a like a music-reading type of a bass player. He basically does it by ear. Yeah,
2: a great player and been a fan of his for a long time. Let's uh, check out a little David Lee Roth, song written by Billy. This is Shy Boy, and then we'll get right into the interview. light is blinking phone call phone call that means one thing legendary bass player billy sheehan's on the line
3: hey billy how are you i'm good man how are you great man it's an honor to have you on the show and i've been a fan of yours for for so many years back to the talus days and man thank you for coming on talking metal
1: oh my pleasure man Uh, it's very cool to have me on here thank
3: you
2: yeah, Billy, hey, Mark Striegel here uh, Again, just a, a long-time fan And we are very excited for the new record So let's start off talking about what you're up to now Holy Cow is out It is up on iTunes Where you can download each track for 99 cents Or just get the whole thing Which I recommend Because there's so many great people involved in this record Let's start off by talking about some of the special guests
1: We're all right on Yeah, I was very lucky to get some uh, great guys to join me on Holy Cow. I played bass. uh, Most all the baritone guitarists wrote and sang everything. But uh, uh, to really add some frosting to the cake, uh, my dear friend from Mr. Big, Paul Gilbert, came and played two devastating solos on a song called Dynamic Exhilarator. And uh, right over the top, too. The first one is blazing, and the second one somehow beats it. And it's uh, pretty amazing. Paul was... uh, Uh, it was so amazing to watch Paul through the years evolve as such an incredible player from the very first time I met him back in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Very cool. And then... uh uh, on drums, I, I got to go without. Uh, to, I can't uh, leave out Ray. He's just an amazing, up-and-coming, incredible drummer. He's out on the Corn tour now, playing drums for Corns. Play with oh, Army cool. of Anyone, Stone Temple Pilots. He also played for my old boss, David Lee Roth. That was pretty cool.
3: Yeah, Ray's a great drummer. I'm personally a drummer, and and we saw him with Army of Anyone, and I've been a fan of all the stuff that he's been doing because he's he's one of these proficient drummers that you know, one of the many that you've played with. And, uh, basically I'm psyched to, uh, to talk about both drummers and bass players who are really concerned with being proficient at their instruments like you guys.
1: Well, right on. Yeah. Ray, uh, he's got all the basics in so solidly, but then he adds this extra thing oh, this extra, like every drummer that, uh, gets up to a certain point. They've got this extra thing. That's kind of intangible. It's their, their trademark. And Ray certainly has his really great, um, then uh, Doug Pinnock. I love him. King's X came and sang Turning Point. It's one of the songs on the record. And uh, I love King's X so much. And they should be bigger than you, too. That they're not bigger than you, too, is uh, some cause somebody's going to have to, to answer, answer that crime in the, <laughs> in the in the court of the universe at some point way down a couple centuries from now. But I don't know how that happened. But uh, Doug is awesome. King's X is incredible. And he sings uh, Turning Point. is just so great. Then uh I gotta say the best for last uh my total hero and genius icon of the ages mr Billy Gibbons Unbelievable. Unbelievable. From no doubt. top i unreal as a matter of fact that's um I had the idea of the for the album being named holy cow and uh, I wasn't exactly sure yet and until I called somebody a friend of mine and said hey you'll never guess who i got to play on the record he goes who and i said Billy Gibbons, and he goes, "Holy cow!" That's, that's, okay, that's it. We got that's the a title.
2: <laughs> hey, now, now, Billy wasn't somebody that you knew. Like I know Paul Gilbert and and Tony McAlpine, who was on the record. I mean, you've known those guys for a long, long time. But Billy is is not. I'm guessing is not somebody who is in your circle. So, well,
1: uh, surprisingly, he's uh, he's got a place here in L.A. And I see him around a lot. We've hung a bunch of times. Oh, cool. okay. I have a uh, jam with him. Uh, we, he, he did a G3 show years ago, and for sound check, it was just me, Billy, and a drummer sound checking. Wow. So I got to jam with him there. And then he came up and he played LaGrange and I sang it. So, oh, sweet. That so is so a weird consistent. singing LaGrange with Billy Gibbons <laughs> on <the> stage. <laughs> Billy,
3: I got to tell you this. You'll laugh at this. Um, I ran into Billy in Las Vegas at a VH1 show called Rock Honors where ZZ Top was being honored. And I, I wound up finding his guitar on the luggage rack. He actually checked a uh, Fender Telecaster and uh, I was carrying it for him and he gave me his business card. And instead of saying Billy Gibbons, you know, a guitarist, it said Billy Gibbons, Friend, Friend of Eric, of Eric Clapton. Clapton. Yep, you got it. You got that same card. I <laughs> yeah, love it. It's great, isn't it? Yeah. It's is so cool.
1: And, and he's a, such a selfless, humble man, and he is such an an absolute master of his craft. And I recommend everybody, if you're if you thinking Easy Top might not be metal enough for you, get the Rhythmine album. I love that record. Okay. I have that album, man. Oh, what an incredible piece. Is that music.
3: the album with the song Fix a Flat?
1: No, that might be Triple X. Okay, that's Triple X, one. right, right, right. That's also pretty darn heavy, but Rhythmine has got uh, Black Fly, a hairdresser, uh, just a great, great record. And, very uh, cool. Really awesome. So, yeah, he came and he played uh, guitar on a uh, little bit of duty every time. Uh, one track that I had that was uh, certainly inspired by the Rhythmine album, and if very, you listen to cool. it uh, in, in adjacent to Rhythmine, you'll see why, because it's just so heavy, and it's uh That record is so great, so I tried to uh, do my best to pay uh, uh, homage to it with uh, a little bit of you every time Billy came and laid the solo down. And from the first note he plays, I I know people I played the record for who didn't know who was on the record, and they right away they look at me go, "Is that Billy Gibbons?" That's (laughs) right.
3: Yeah, you can't mistake his sound, his tone, (laughs) even even the attack of the notes. I think is unmistakable with Billy Gibbons.
1: Yeah, when he set his pick down when he was done, he set it down on a little table I had my hard drives on. And I wouldn't let anybody touch it for about three months. It sat there with a, <laughs> a little post-it note with an arrow that said like, "Do not touch." You know, that's classic. <laughs> Stayed right there. But I had a—it's funny because he played. He brought a guitar of his own, but it wasn't quite set up right. So I had a hundred-dollar Chinese Fender Squire Strat. You get a guitar set for a hundred bucks. Somebody got it for me for Christmas for as a joke. And I took the factory strings and tuned them down to baritone, so they're just flopping wow. around on the thing. And uh, he did the solo on that guitar.
3: I see. That's what I wow. think is so cool. That you don't, if you if you're a great player, you could do it on a Sears drum kit or a you know a guitar from China for a hundred bucks. <laughs> you could do it if you're a great musician,
2: and that's what I think is so cool. That's right on. Another great player on the record, Tony McAlpine.
1: Yeah, actually, he's not on the record per se. Uh, the track he did we're going to have it as a download bonus track thingy.
3: Oh, cool. Okay. And that okay, was the cool. Bach piece, right?
1: Yeah, there's a Bach piece from the Brandenburg Concertos that I adapted for bass. And uh, Tony is a—he's a real classical pianist. Like a lot of guys, can like fool around do a little classical thing, but he actually started, you know, five years old playing Liszt and Rachmaninoff and wow. all this stuff. So he really knows his stuff. We were on tour one time. He, we were in the lobby of a hotel in Italy, and his beautiful grand piano in the center. And we just come off the bus and we're all raggedy. And one of the guys in the lobby sees him walking towards the piano, and he's just about to call security. Tony sits down tore the roof off the place. Wow. That's
2: okay. Cool. And you kind of helped put Tony on the map. I mean, you were on his Edge of Insanity album back in 86 was which was one of the reasons I actually picked up the album because your
1: playing was on it. Oh, cool. That's one of my favorite records that I've ever played on back at the back in the day. It was uh, every song sounded like a a movie chase scene. You know, it's a, you know, or a TV theme song for some incredible movie or it, it, it real visual kind of sounds to it. And Tony was uh, just incredible then, and uh, I didn't get a chance to play with him until way later when uh, he joined up with Steve Vai. While I was with Steve, and we played together for a long time.
2: Cool, cool. And then, and there's just so many great musicians you've played with. Uh... Nine Short Films is a record that yeah. came out about uh, 2002, I think. Uh, talk a little bit about that and how you got involved with Terry. And
1: Yeah, I wanted to do a bass and drum record. Just, you know, the bass and drum and like the hip-hop R&B sense is kind of a, you know, that's a whole genre. But I thought, I wanted to do bass and drum, but like we play it, you know. And so uh, uh, Terry Bozier was a friend of a friend, and we'd been, we communicated through people. So we got together. We went in the studio with nothing. We had nothing. We just said let's just think it up and and make it happen. So in about three days, we came up between his plan and me working off him, and my plan and him working off me. We wrote and recorded this record. Then he uh, he did all this poetry and spoken word on top of it, which again evokes a uh, real cinematic kind of a motif to the thing, so hence the name, Nine Short Films, and it sounds, you know, it's kind of like the uh, the dialogue to Nine Movies, that you might uh, happen to see late at night on HBO. Certainly, they wouldn't run them prime time.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And I, some other musicians that I wanted to talk about were people that people may not necessarily, you know, definitely won't consider a metal musicians, but I am impressed, and I just think it's cool that you play with people like Dennis Chambers and oh, okay. John Novello and, 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 and people, you know, Dennis, of course, in Santana, and you know, people that can play jazz and fusion and all that kind of stuff. So t- yeah, tell Dennis, us a little bit about uh, that project.
1: Dennis, uh, that's a niacin, nice, uh, Dennis Chambers on drums, uh, John DeVell and Hammond, B3. And uh, most prog rock is based on, like, classical music. Well, we want to do something like that, only base it on blues and, and funkified stuff. Make it progressive and make it heavy and driving, but have it more based on a blues idea than the you know, hoity-toity, highbrow, uh, classical music. Right. So Dennis came came uh, to the table with his spectacular talents. And uh, of all the musicians I've played with, and I'm lucky and thankful to have played with so many great players, Dennis is the best musician I know on any instrument. Wow. And he can sit down. And we jam and sound check to all this Zeppelin and Grand Funk and all this heavy funkified stuff, and he kills it when he plays heavy and loud. He's unreal. He really is a complete master of the drum kit, and uh, his time and his sense are just uh, are, uh, the, the greatest. Uh, there's about three or four of the top drummers in the in the world, you know. Uh, uh, Steve Gadd, Vinnie Caliuta, Dennis is in there, a few other guys. And all of the other guys always say Dennis is their favorite whenever you, you start to narrow it down to three or four. Right. But he he, is,
3: even the guys that are that good will say, hey, my favorite's Dennis. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of them do. Yeah, now, Billy, I wanted to talk about that. I mean, I I actually met Mark at Berkeley College of Music, and I have studied music my whole life. And uh, now, how did you... You know, learn to play. What was what were your early influences? Did you take lessons? Like what tell
1: us no, about I just, that? Uh, just got in a band and started. And oh. uh, bass is the easiest instrument in the world to start on. And some bass players get a little miffed when I say that. Uh, but in fact basically you just need one finger on your right hand, one finger on your left hand, put your finger on the right note on the left and pluck it with the right, and that's I don't mean to sound stupidly simple but that's basically it and if you play that note when the bass drum hits when the drummer hits the bass drum you're halfway there so it's actually a real easy instrument to start on so it's just get up in a band and start playing songs on bass especially simple basic rock songs just about anybody could do it now Having said that, moving it up to another level, actually bass, in my humble opinion, I think is a little bit harder than a lot of other instruments because it's physically way more demanding. These big, giant, thick strings and, right. you know, big, longer reaches and a much more, uh, physical instrument than guitar. Uh, so, you know, to move on from this. But I just basically got in bands. Started playing. We played a million songs. We played gig after gig after gig. We had three or four sets a night. We did, we did 21 nights in a row one time, different place each night. Wow. We, did, we did three full shows in one day one time, morning, uh, evening, and, and at night. And uh, so the, all those years of playing, just to, by necessity, I had to figure out what was going on. So I can't read music. I don't know theory. I don't know any of that stuff. Um, if I do need to know something like that, I'll call Tony McAlpine or Steve Vai or somebody. And say, what, what chord is this? Oh, wow. <laughs> it's a C-augmented, cemented chord or something. Because uh, I, I really don't know. I'm just an ear player. So when I get, that's the, the only problem is when I have to figure out the complicated stuff, like from Niason or from Steve Vai or something like that, I have to do it all by ear. And I can do it. It takes me a while sometimes, but I do eventually get to it all. But wow. uh, thought basically just by playing in bands, playing a million songs, and that was and 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 here we are,
2: yeah, wow, now, you mentioned Paul Gilbert earlier is on the holy cow record, yeah, uh, I wanted to ask you if that's how this uh Mr. Big reunion tour that is uh, happening c- kind of came about through uh, getting in contact with Paul or or had you been in contact with him all along?
1: Well I had been in contact and we jammed a few times here and there but we never really talked much about the Mr. Big thing you know I knew he you know he left and that was you know that was that and none of us ever thought the band would ever get together again you know we never we just thought you know let's leave well enough alone it was a great time blah 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 so I got together with Paul went over to his house he laid the solos down. we had a riot we had a great time so uh, it just so happened he was playing not a couple of months later at the House of Blues with his band with having Richie Cotson open up and Pat Torpy the drummer of Mister Big was playing with Richie Cotson. It's a little tough to follow here. I'll try to make it easy. Nice. So sure enough, Paul called me and said, "Do you want to get together and play a couple of Mister Big songs uh, for an encore?" I said, sure, yeah, why not? So I went to rehearsal. We we went over quickly. Went over "Daddy Brother" and then had Richie sing 30 uh, Days in the Hole." Sure enough, the the show ended. And the rumor must have gotten out because people were going crazy. I got up and Pat got up with Paul and they went nuts. We did a couple songs and the the crowd just went berserk. And we'd noticed our level of email and the volume of the emotion in the email was getting more and more and more, more emails and more uh, intense for people asking us to play together again. So after the show, we said, well, gee, the only thing that would have made it a perfect night is if Eric would have been here. So a couple of emails went back and forth. We decided to get together, have a dinner, and talk and see how, how we all feel about it. So no one dangled cash in front of us. No one from outside of the band came in and said, I'm going to put you guys back together and put you on a tour bus and so you'll all hate each other in another year. You know, so we just, <laughs> it came from us. It came because we wanted to play together again. And uh, sure enough, uh, Japan was the first to uh, come and offer some shows, and uh, now they're entertaining uh uh, shows everywhere else. Uh, all the all the wheels are in motion to play all over the place, and uh, cool. That's pretty much how it happened. S- so, we,
2: I, you might not be able to reveal this yet, but there's a, a good possibility we may be seeing Mr. Big here
1: in the states. Absolutely,
2: awesome. Yeah, awesome. I,
1: we just don't have any solid dates yet. We might be a little too late to do any big summer tours this year, Right. But- but I don't know. I, I, it's not been completely rolled out because most of the summer tours are booked, you know, in the preceding fall. So we'll see what happens with that. We're doing Japan. I know they're we're talking about Korea, Indonesia, Europe, uh, UK, Italy, possible India. That's going to be right. Very <laughs> cool. Right. <laughs> because my inbox looks like the United Nations. <laughs> we're getting email that. from uh, Sri Lanka and uh, uh, Iraq. Yeah. And, uh, it's so unbelievable. So... So, uh, you know, we were very lucky to have a lot of success around the world. So a lot of people have expressed great joy that we're together again. So we couldn't be more thankful about that. And we're going to go and try to play everywhere on planet Earth. So that's that's our plan. Cool.
3: Cool. Now, in addition to those dates, right before that, you got some clinics coming up, right? I know one at Musicians Institute and then there's something at Sam Ash, I think.
1: I didn't see the Sam Ash one. It might be there. You know, I thought I saw that one. Yeah, I do an MI uh, clinic in at, at Hollywood Thursday at 6 o'clock, and it's free and open to the public, which is really cool because most of the Musician's Institute clinics are just for the students, so this is open to the public. Okay. So when I do a clinic, I do some bass playing and talking. We answer a lot of questions. I show anything I can show, anything I can answer about the music biz, making a record, record deals, being on tour, anything related at my 40-plus years of, uh, of uh, work one experience uh, if I can be of any help to my fellow musicians that's what i'm there for and then in the end take photos and sign stuff and uh, just uh, just do a big long hang it's always great and it's free and open to the public so i really appreciate musicians that's doing this because uh you know i think they're, they're certainly providing a service to the community by having a lot of players in and trying to help all the locals you know that's what we're here for
3: definitely billy i also wanted to ask you about yamaha instruments and i know that you've been a long time yamaha player like like for as long as I can remember, yeah. Just tell me you've you know tell me why you like Yamaha's because I, I know they're great great instruments.
1: Yeah, well, the quality control. I mean, years ago I used to say to people, just open up your VCR and look inside, and just to give you an idea of the quality control you get coming out of Japan. You know, now, of course now it's all made in China, but that's another story. <laughs> right. But the early, but all my bases actually are made in Japan and. Uh, uh, and some now are made in Indonesia, and I actually went to the factory in Indonesia to, to check it out. Oh, wow, cool. That was pretty cool. Amazing. You could you could eat a meal off the floor. It's so clean. It's, just, wow. it's, just like a, it's like a science lab. It's amazing. But Yamaha came to me early on at a time when Fender was almost out of business, and I played Fender basses for my whole life. But then when they came to me, I said, well, I would like to make a bass, but one of the criteria for making a bass is the bass I play has got to be exactly like the ones that are in the shop. So oh, some, cool. some guys do a deal with a company and they make the, they all the custom instruments. Then when a the kid goes to buy the, the Joe Blow model in the store, he gets uh, the cardboard version. Right. Where the ones I play come out of the same box, same factory, same thing as, as the ones in the store. So that, that gives credit to the quality, control, and integrity of the company. And we just made a, basically, it's very p bass ish but we, we improved on a few things, in my humble opinion, or uh, altered a few things. It's hard to improve a base, And it just makes it a little bit more utilitarian in this day and age. Dual output, two-amp setup. You can use it if you like. And it's just a rock-solid uh, tool, hunk of wood. You know, I've thrown it around and beaten it around. and uh, It's large, too. It's a big base. It's a big like bass. the body's big, yeah. Big, big, thick neck and a giant manly thing. But uh, I know a young lady who is a bodybuilder in Florida. Her name is Fawn... I forgot her last name. But anyway, uh, or maybe Crystal Fawn, I'm not sure. Anyway, she's a, uh, you can try Googling We'll her. look it up, yeah. <laughs> she's a beautiful girl with uh, tons of muscles. She could kick my ass for sure. I no doubt about it. But she plays one of my basses and I'll tell you, it never looked better hanging on, it looks a lot better hanging on her than I'm I me. That's what she But it's That's a rock crazy. solid instrument and uh, I get email from kids all over the world that have them and they, and they like them and they, uh, they, they, they serve a musician well. Very yeah. cool.
2: Now, uh, Speaking of reunions, talking about Mr. Big and stuff, was there ever an attempt by David Lee Roth to put back together the Eat 'em and Smile lineup?
1: Actually, that's how I started playing with Steve again uh, a few years ago when Steve and I started playing together again. I was out in Hollywood on the weekend, ran into Dave, we hung out at this club. We were drinking and hanging, drinking and hanging. Sure enough, the club closed. They let us stay. And the, everyone else was gone. It was just us at the table. We were talking. And I finally said, you know, well, what, do, what do you think? And I said, yeah. I said, well, there are a couple of conditions. Well, first of all, we've got to talk about it Monday when we're both sober. And second of all, it's got to be the same guy. has got to be me, Steve, you, and Greg. She so said, okay. So Monday he made the calls. Unfortunately, Steve was already booked. He'd already booked the G3 tour. Oh, okay. so we couldn't do it so uh you know things went on from there so because steve found out i was free he called me and said you know i'm doing this g3 thing you want to play bass I "Sure, yeah, why not i got the summer free so that's how steve and i started playing together again and yeah we actually did talk about it at one point mm. you know who knows if that would happen or not. i'd love to do it i love dave he's still my hero i still think he's awesome i still love his voice and uh i think it would be uh you know maybe do like 10 or 20 shows uh uh, across the country, or who knows where, or we'll do whatever. You know, I'm sure it would be a blast.
2: Yeah, oh, it would be. The, one one of my favorite concert moments was seeing you guys uh, on that tour at uh, the Rosemont Horizon in Chicago. Right. right? right. Dave, I remember Dave it had well. had the uh, the Bears jersey on, and uh, yeah. the place just went nuts, sold out. You know, crazy.
1: Yeah, we uh, we had such a blast on that tour. I, I tell you, every about every two or three days, I get at least one or more emails. Talking about the Eat'em and Smile days, you know, just people still remember that. That's pretty cool. And I've been recently, I, arch, I archived all of my cassettes. I had about three months. Wow, that's, that's a huge project. A huge project. I had two double cassette decks, four cassette players into you know eight stereo out. I hit all four at once and recorded into an eight channel recorder and, uh, and digitally. And I found all of the early Eat'em and Smile demos. And work tapes and rehearsal tapes, and I got them all in my archives now. I don't know if I legally can put any of that stuff out, but who knows Wink, wink. Who knows if it might sneak out some some right. way, something. <laughs> <laughs> but the I've light. got all, all that stuff earlier, The skyscraper uh, demos, all that stuff we did. Uh, I've got it all in my archives now. So, who knows where where it will see the light of day.
2: Cool. Well, I got a text message from Bumblefoot earlier today, and he great. says hello. By the oh, way, oh,
1: he is so awesome. We jammed a bunch. That's me, Ray Legere. the four dudes, right? Yeah, he is so. He knows. You know what's great about him is he knows a million songs. Yeah, and I think he knows it,
3: every tune ever.
1: That's <laughs> great. And so when you're jamming and hanging, well, and it also is a as a player that does something to your ear because when you when you jam or when you write with a group, if somebody plays something, you got to know where to go right away. So if you know a million songs, you kind of already got a huge vocabulary of ideas. And yeah, he, I really liked him. He gave me his CDs. I loaded them into my iTunes, and there was some great stuff on there. Really cool, great player. I hope we can uh, play together again in some more extended fashion. Cool, absolutely.
2: Well, Billy, thanks so much for joining us on Talking Metal. We'd love to get an ID from you, saying who you're, uh, saying who you are, and what you're listening to.
1: All right, <clears throat> tell me when you're ready. We are ready hello everyone this is Billy Sheehan you're a faithful bass player you're listening to me right here on Talking Metal cool
2: and pick up Billy's new album Holy Cow this is Turning Point great with Doug from Kings X and Billy thanks bro thanks Billy okay man
4: transfer all that's known, both noble and sublime, but underneath it all, still willing to begin again, oh, Mm -hmm. so much is found with every fall. around my two concerns and hold them close and tight to me I'll face the light until it burns to find me know how it will be
3: was Turning Point by the great Billy Sheehan off the new record. Once again, one of the best interviews that we've done, uh, one of the nicest guys, and one of the historic figures in, in hard rock and metal, without a doubt.
2: We got Elena from Spider Rocket coming up. Is it Spider Rockets or Rocket? Rocket, right? Singular. I'm pretty sure it's Rockets with an S. Spider Rockets, yeah, yeah, that sounds more like it. Great new band. John turned me on to these guys. I think they're pretty cool. Yeah, no doubt
3: about it. And they played a gig last night. And Helena, I am sorry that I didn't get the message um, until later. And I was planning on going to this gig. And, like, literally, having not slept in, like, about five days has played some tricks on my brain. And I completely spaced out on anything other than mtv networks usa network and gibson guitars for this week so uh i apologize to everybody but we're psyched that helena came on talking metal and and we want to bring this interview to you we want to introduce all of you guys
2: to this great new band called spider rockets so let's check out the interview here on talking metal remember to follow us on twitter twitter.com slash talking metal and of course you have the uh the youtube page which we mentioned earlier so Keep in touch, send us an email, and we'll end today's show with Kiss You Dead by the Spider Rockets.
3: Helena will be coming up in a minute. We have Helena from the Spider Rockets. They are a band out of New Jersey, our home state, the home state of Talking Metal. Helena, are you there?
0: I'm here. Can you hear me okay?
3: Yeah, now we can. Sorry, we had a little technical difficulties earlier on. <laughs> hey, Helena, is your radio up? No. Or your computer speakers up?
0: No, nothing.
3: Okay. So I think we're good now, because we heard a little static. I think it was on our end. So how are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. How are
3: you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I wanted to thank you for that personalized postcard that you sent me, and the poster and the CD. It was killer. Oh,
0: I'm glad you liked it, man. That's
3: I, cool. I loved it. So I wanted to tell everybody that you guys have a brand new release out. Uh, it's a self-titled release, and... You guys recorded it at a place called Tracks East with Eric Rachel in New Jersey. Tell us about that.
0: Oh, it was pretty, I mean, it was pretty awesome. It was our first time recording with Eric, and um, he's done some, like, a lot of stuff before, so it just he he, he just was, uh, you know, just a pleasure to work with. Um, he, I guess, we, the whole process was, it just, we spent a lot of time writing last year, and then we kind of brought everything to him, and he gave a couple of suggestions there and there, and, and. Um, we bounce things back and forth and change things up a bit, you know, um, from songs and stuff. And then he just kept on, you know, like when we were in the studio, he just he was unrelenting, which is good, you know.
3: <laughs> I think it's very cool. Hang on, that's actually not the the CD, Mark. Mark was I, – I have your CD, Helena, by the way. This is some off-air stuff. I have the CD in my computer because I was actually checking out, and Mark wanted to put it into his, and so I'm now going to give him that so he can do it instead of a DVD of some unknown thing that I happen to have in the case. Anyway, never mind. We don't want to know what's on that DVD, but let me tell you, Helena, I wanted to talk to you because I know that that you said you spent more time on writing and rewriting and actually – Cutting songs that you originally brought in, and in the past you guys did it a little bit differently. And was this something that happened because of Eric, or was this kind of a mutual decision by you guys and Eric?
0: You know, I think we were just trying to like up the ante this time. We really, you know, the um, before we had done everything on two inch tape, you know. Wow. So it was just it was um, it was the process was like really different, and I think we just wanted to just kind of like nail everything and just kind of like really make sure that everything was as strong as it needed to be going in, um, first of all, and then like each piece as it, as it got layered in there and stuff, it was just like, the quality was there, you know? So we just, we really made a conscious decision to kind of like just, you know, really just hone in on everything really carefully and stuff. And I think, man, I think it's just, it's like a process you go through. It's like, um, I don't know about other bands and stuff, um, but I, I know about us, it's just like we learn as we go along and stuff, and as as, as we're, you know, we we just kind of like learn from the previous experience. We go, okay, all right, let's do it this way, this time, and this will be better for us this time. And, and regarding songs, we'll you know, like write a ton of them and then just pick out the best or pick out the ones that just make sense for this, uh, this album, you know?
3: Well, I absolutely uh, understand. And what I wanted to do is... Can I give you a couple of titles, tell you what I think of them, and then get your opinion on them?
0: Fire away, man.
3: Okay, first song, Kiss You Dead, I think is just a great title. And what I think is cool about the band is that although you guys are heavy, some of your choruses are very, like, catchy. They sound like anthems, and this is definitely one of them. I think it has a great chorus. Tell me about that song. Well, I, I think
0: what's cool about um, about she the chorus is really like it, it's a very sing along y chorus, um, and it just, it's just like that kind of idea of it is like it's a love hate thing going on. And that, from from you know, going from our influences and stuff, like um, especially like we're a, a riff oriented band, you know, it comes from like the guitar riffs, the bass riffs, and stuff that's where we start writing from. And um, you know, it's like you like the Van Halen, the um, you know, the kiss influences and stuff you know i mean th- these are bands that just have like awesome anthems and stuff and um and i think it just kind of leaks through a little bit to what we do because it's you know it's where you know some of our roots come from you know
3: i, I love both of those bands and I'm, I'm excited to hear a new band like you guys you know somebody i consider a young group to mention bands like van halen and kiss okay i want to go to another song let it go i really thought the middle eastern scales in the song were very very cool how did that come about
0: you know, it was really, um, it was kind of neat. It was uh, Bones, a bass player, was started uh, goofing off at the beginning of practice. I was like, oh, man, what are you playing? Let's, you know, let's go with that. And, and, and he was doing something that kind of, we got feel going on. And, um, so we just kind of based it off, it was based off of a bass riff, you know? Cool. Uh, and then, you know, it, like, um, from what Bones was doing, John, like, kind of, like, like uh, went in and out with, the guitar riff and stuff, and we just kind of, like, piled up on top. And, um, yeah, it, it, that's one of my favorites. So uh, it's,
3: you know. It's, it's a great, great track. I got one more, and then I have a couple other questions, uh, different subject. Okay, Anti hero. what I think is amazing is that you have Hammond organ in this tune, and I started playing music on a Hammond organ. So I wanted to ask, how did that get in? And then I know the song is about addiction, Is that something that the band experienced, or where does that come from? So, two questions on Antihero.
0: Well, we started with Antihero. All right, the first thing is the Hammond organ. That was Eric's idea. He had a friend who played Hammond, and he's like, um, and he said, "Hey, you know, I think that this would be awesome in this song." And I was like, "Okay, man, you know, if you feel strongly about it, let's try it out and see how it goes." Yeah. So, um, and we really, we really liked, you know, what we heard. After, you know, we were like, okay, this is this is great. It adds this cool dimension to it. Yeah, I
3: yeah. was going to say, it's exactly that. It adds a whole nother layer to the song that, you know, you might not think that you're going to hear in a metal track.
0: Yeah, and I think it's, 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 it's kind of, it's, um, it's interesting. It's, it's like, it makes it interesting. And that's, you know, it isn't the typical thing that you would hear in, in some songs or whatever that you would expect to find in it. And that's what makes it really kind of unique and kind of interesting. Um, the addiction thing. Um, it started out as a song about like, um, about war and, um, we, like, I, it's, I don't know, like maybe for some people like writing about something, um, that you haven't really experienced per se, like, like up close and in the, in the thick of battle or something is, is easy to do. I, I found it really hard to do. Um, so we went. To, I went to something that was a little easier for me, and that was the addiction. And that, and, and just kind of, without getting into too many details or anything, that uh, just kind of brought it to a dark place, too, that was just kind of, um, that just um, rang true a little bit truer than writing about a firsthand experience from more.
3: Right. Well, hey, all three of those tunes are great. The whole album is great. Now, I wanted to ask you guys, because you're you're from New Jersey. Mark and I live in New Jersey. Bud Friendly lives in New Jersey. Uh, and now I know you guys have played on both coasts. Tell me basically how you guys got together. And like, are you guys currently like, you know, doing gigs all across the country? How does that work? Well,
0: we um, we, we got I guess we got together about three years ago. Um, it, we had been. The Spider Rockets had been around for a while before him, but it, in the last three years, I'd say, um, is when things really kind of came together for us, and that's when you know, um, every, everybody who's currently in the band is is, um, is part of it. Just the magic, magic, I guess, like the spark, the um, kind of the energy was right. right that
3: was like the exact proper lineup for the Spider Rockets,
0: yeah, it just was. It's just, it just everything fit, everybody wanted the same thing, and um it was just it was it wasn't fighting inner fighting and it wasn't you know people wanting different things and and it just worked and that started coming together for us and um we've done uh i guess what we're planning to do with the CD. we want to we want to tour nationally again and um we've played i guess all over the country and we want to do that with the cd as well um And, you know, hopefully bring it internationally as well, because we've played in Europe as well, and, and it's been a while since we've been there, so it would be really cool to head back.
3: I think it's very impressive that, like, you guys got this lineup together three years ago. Um, you've already done multiple recordings, and uh, I mean, the, for everybody who's going to download this, you know, legally on May 19th when it is released on iTunes and Rhapsody and all those other places, that's cool. But if you can get a hold of the actual CD and the packaging, it's really, really nice, guys. Uh, definitely, I want you guys to all check that out. And I wanted to mention that I see that my friend Mark Weiss uh, was actually a photographer on the album.
0: Mark is such an amazing man.
3: He's <laughs> that great. That
0: guy, he's like just incredibly talented behind that camera. But a super nice guy too. Just like so, it, uh, the artwork is really based on the photography. Um, it's great. And um, and then Ioannis took the artwork from Mark. I mean, from the, the photos to Mark, and then just kind of like created this whole vibe. And it's just kind of like a dark kind of. It, it's taken on the Jersey store, believe it or not. I'm not gonna tell you which beats because we might get in trouble. <laughs> okay.
3: I, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I understand yeah
0: yeah yeah. <laughs> but uh, so, so basically that's what, what was it. and our I guess our plan is um, you know the digital release first and then we'll you know one one step at a time, you know, going forward and stuff. So but we do love the the, um, the artwork on the cover and stuff and it just it's like it turned out to be what we wanted it to be. Which is really awesome.
3: Very cool. Now, there's also something on your website where you can download, and for all you uh, people in the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area, you can download, I think, a discounted ticket to your next gig at the Cherrywood?
0: Yeah, we um, we hooked up with this promoter down there, and he he seems to be like a really good guy. And um, and it's a smaller venue, but we were like, you know, um, let's just let's just rock the place out, you know, let's rip the roof off of the place, let's just turn into, a, you know, a great rock and roll party. So we wanted to make something that would kind of uh, be an incentive for people to kind of, you know, maybe go to a place that they haven't gone before and haven't checked out before, and, uh, and I think that this, you know, it was kind of a cool way to do it, so.
3: very <laughs> Now, where is Clementon, New Jersey? I, I live in Jersey City. Where is that in relation to where I live? Because I'll definitely try to come down for the show.
0: You know, I think it's, about, it's actually about half an hour out of Philly. Oh, okay. So it's down that way. Um, it's, uh, it's kind of, I'm, I'm trying to think of like um, what other big towns. But it's, really, it's, just, it's like basically about 30 minutes out of Philly.
3: Very cool. There's a, a Sam Ash down about 30 minutes out of Philly, uh, and I can't remember what town, Cherry Hill? Is that anywhere near, near Cherry Hill?
0: You know what? It could be, man. I mean, I think I think it's like in that vicinity. You know, it's, it's in that whole kind of um, South Jersey, headed towards Philly area. Yeah, well, that's
3: even cooler, yeah, because not only can our Talking Metal listeners in New Jersey and New York head down there, but anybody in PA, and if you're down close to Philly, if you're in Delaware, you can definitely make it to this gig. So if you guys want to take a road trip... Definitely head up to the Cherrywood in Clementon, New Jersey on May 8th. But don't forget to go to the Spider Rockets website to download that uh, discounted ticket and check you guys out. Now, we want to before we we go, we definitely want to play one of your tunes uh, to take us out of the interview and uh, just want to ask you, you know, give us your website, MySpace page, Twitter, anything you got and anything you want to say to the Talking Metal listeners worldwide.
0: Well, uh website is spiderrockets.com. dot com. MySpace is myspace dot uh, slash spiderrockets. Um, we're Twitter. We're uh, getting used to Twitter now. So. Um,
3: hey, me too. Me too. Mark's a Twitter expert, but I'm getting used to it now.
0: <laughs> we're not. We're not an expert. We're not even close to expert, but we're getting into it. So we're like, uh, we're kind of messing around with Twitter now. So if you guys tw- tweet us or whatever, we're. We're psyched at answering back, so... <laughs> well, That's I'll try it. it.
3: I'll try it. I'm, we're, we're on the same level, me and you, so we'll try it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's new stuff out there. We're, like, messing around with it, and hopefully we don't blow up the computer, man.
3: <laughs> Definitely, no doubt.
0: And about, I guess, uh, about the new CD, we're we're excited as hell about it. We're so psyched that you guys decided to, like... Uh, you know, interview us about this. It's, it's just...
3: Hey, we're psyched that you're coming on our show, and I'm psyched that I got a cool package from you guys, and you know that, like I said, included a poster and a handwritten postcard. So I thought that was really, really cool. Uh,
0: you know, but it's it, it us. It's like you guys have an incredible lineup tonight, and we're like open up the lineup, and I'm just like, these are you know people that that we've admired tremendously, like, um, and our our metal gods per se. So. Man, thank you so much, and you know, come out to the show, and we were really psyched to actually meet you in person. That would be awesome.
3: Thank you, Helena. So, Mark has a tune queued up. Why don't you intro it?
0: Hey, everybody, how you doing? This is Helena from Spider Rocket. You are listening to Talking Metal, and this is Kiss You Dead. (laughs)